Welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry. Watching old TV to learn why everything's on fire right now. I am one of your hosts. I am Marty Schneider. I'm the other one, Dan Ludwig. And uh, we're glad to have you folks back. We uh, took a small break there. Uh, during which, Dan, I, before we get into anything, you sent me a message. Uh, I, it was a couple of days ago, and I wake up, and I get a text message from you, and it's just four words. And those words are, I dreamed of Fife. I dreamt of Fife, yes. Oh, Christ. Yeah, no, and it didn't... He didn't I didn't respond it, to that text for four hours. I looked at my phone and put it right the fuck <laughs> back down, because I didn't know what to do. Was, was it a sexual dream in nature, it was, Daniel? It was not a sexual dream in nature, although if it... So, Barney Fife did not interact with my dream in any way. I was just like... I was having a dream. It was just like, it was like the portion of the dream where I'm being attacked by coyotes. And then literally just midway through the dream, Barney Fife just casually strolled through it. And I literally, it paused. The dream paused so I could just go, ah, shit. (laughs) Like, he just, like, like a totem in Inception or some shit. Just like Barney Fife just casually strolled through. And I was like, ah, that's the beginning of madness. Basically makes him Slender Man, right? Like, he made his presence known that he's in there and he's around. Like, he didn't make eye contact with me. I just, like, I and the whole thing, it was like one of those, like, fuzzy, like, parts of the dreams. And then Barney Fife walked through the room and it just snapped into focus. And I was just like, oh, like, I was almost <laughs> lucid dreaming. It was like when you see the bouncing red ball. Have you seen uh, this people- man in your dreams? Thousands of people report seeing this man in their dreams. <laughs> the weird guy with the with the flared nostrils and the bowl cut that everyone sees. I just I've I've trained myself to like uh to now lucid dream whenever I see Barney Fife. Oh, good. I'm, good. It will inevitably become sexual, and <laughs> I guess that's fine. I guess that's a part of my life now. Um, I I got a package in the mail the other day, and it made me like pretty happy. So I've mentioned before that my dad lives in North Carolina now, uh, and he's pretty close to Mount Airy. Uh, so he's been traveling a lot lately because that's what you do when you're retired. I haven't heard from him, but he asked me for my mailing address the other day, and I sent it to him. And then three days later, I get a package uh, that I posted on our Twitter page. But I'm currently wearing the Barney Fife t-shirt he sent me. Uh, I've got a Goober Pile cap, and we haven't gotten to Goober Pile yet, so I don't... Isn't it Gomer Pile? There's Gomer, and there's Goober, his cousin. There are two piles. Oh, There are two piles. Uh, so it's basically a Jughead cap. Uh, he sent me, like, I think he just found this stuff in, like, a thrift store, because it's, like, a framed photo of the cast 
but it's not like a real photo. It's like somebody put it together in MS Paint and then put a little <laughs> Mayberry logo down at the bottom of it. It's a very weird thing, and I absolutely love it. Uh, my dad is wonderful for getting this for me. I don't think my dad fully gets what we do here on Breaking Mayberry, because this is stuff that like an actual Andy Griffith fan should own. Uh, but I am wearing my Barney Fife t-shirt right now. I should post a picture. Uh, and I will say, you know how, like, when you're a kid, your parents buy you shirts that are just two sizes too big? They haven't stopped doing that for me. My my father has not stopped doing that either. He he thinks that I'm a much larger man than I am. Our parents are in denial that we're not, like, 6'3". Yeah, like, they, they feel like they failed that they didn't raise tall sons. I feel they failed that they didn't raise tall sons. Get it together. Have, like, I'm... I'm under six foot. How fucking dare you? Like, how about some craftsmanship the next time you father a child? <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks, Dad. Thank you for that. Uh, like, legitimately, I think this is a, a wonderful present. Like, It's heartwarming as all hell. I'm upset more than that, though, that in addition to the nightmare that's going to be Gomer Pyle, apparently there's going to be a cousin Jonathan that rolls through called Goober Pyle. Oh, we're getting a, which, it, it's a scrappy dumb in situation is what it is. Uh, oh, no. Wait, there was a scrappy dumb? There was a scrap. No, I'm sorry. There was a Scooby dumb. Oh, my God. Yeah, they started going. They after Sco- like, Scrappy-Doo ran out of heat, they started doing more and more cousins. Or like how Snoopy has a bajillion cousins out in the desert. Oh, God. So it's there's going to be an entire infestation of piles. I wonder, eventually, I think we should probably wind up watching one of those uh, Scooby-Doo episodes that Don Knotts appears on. So that might happen. Uh- well, yeah, no, now that's definitely happening, and I'm pissed about it. By the way, uh, uh, we are still looking for donations on our Patreon. I know we haven't plugged it that much, but we are definitely trying to get a hold of the super gay 70s sci-fi erotica chrome. Gonna read that for y'all for your loving pleasure. Uh, why? Uh, because it's a guy who, written by a guy who was on one episode of The Andy Griffith Show, because we're, we're that deep into it at this point. If you don't want to listen to the podcast describing it, just stand within 30 feet of me for 20 minutes because I will scream the plot at you. Uh, I will, I will loudly summarize the Wikipedia page for you, uh, like whether or not you know who I am. <laughs> so if the first time you've listened to the show, I'm sure you figured it out. We are watching Andy Griffith episodes and losing our damn minds about it. Uh, today we have probably two episodes for you we might just spend the entire episode yelling about one i haven't decided yet so they are season one episodes 27 and 28 ellie saves a female written incredibly disappointingly by david adler that airs april this is an adler episode man are we it's crazy because david adler was in a from I, I hopefully i i initially thought healthy marriage the way his his wife spoke of him after his passing all of it, he's going, he's like sliding down to this wormhole of, of psychotic sexism. Adler has issues with women. That is clear. This is his horniest and also his most heinous of episodes. I, we can't get into this like soon enough. I fucking hate this episode. It's, I, it's gross. It is disgusting. Uh, uh, hey, remember in the other episode when I told the life story of Frank Tarlov, a.k.a. David Adler, and endorsed him as a writer and a person? Never, never mind. <laughs> we rescind our uh, endorsement of David Adler. He just scratch that. Uh, um, sorry. Also, we're going into this one alone. 
right? Because normally, I, I admit it, our show has a pretty bad habit of only having female guests on when the episode in question has to do with, like, relationships or gender issues. Uh, and so we decided the solution to that would be not to have a female guest at all. Um, no, yeah. this one snuck up on us. Because I honestly forgot how toe-curlingly, uh, just, just reprehensible this one is. So I was like, eh. We don't need. We can handle this one alone. We need a female on board for this one so much more than any of the others, and we are in such deep shit right now. I mean, you you just referred to women as female. Oh, oh Christ! Yeah. I'll, let, I'll let that go because it's in the fucking episode title. Ellie saves a female, April seventeenth, nineteen sixty one. So we're right in the middle of the Bay of Pigs invasion, by the way. Uh, we literally haven't even gotten to the episode, and I fucked up. Yeah. We, I am so I'm just in advance. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for, <laughs> for how bad I'm gonna do with this. It's fine. It's fine. St- drink more and stop worrying. Uh, episode twenty eight, Andy forecloses, written by Leo Solomon and Ben Gershman, airs April twenty fourth, nineteen sixty one. Both of these episodes are, of course, directed by five time Jimmy Buffett concert attendee Bob Sweeney. Overly talkative mid-range dentist Bob Sweeney. <laughs> I like that. So let's just let's just jump right into Ellie saves a female. Uh, which one of our Twitter followers mentioned that her coworkers have been referring to like ominously as the makeup episode. They've been waiting for us to get to this. Uh, so we have a really bad habit of spoiling the twist. Like as soon as we start to get pissed off, we need to like like resist that urge. This is cause... true. This is true. This one's this one's pretty subtle. Right? Until until it's not. Um, yeah. So let's go ahead and go with the one sentence summary from Wikipedia, which doesn't sound that bad. Ellie decides to give a farm girl a makeover, despite the protests of the girl's father. Okay, that's fine. Mm. So that sounds nice. That sounds that sounds not not wholesome, but fine. Yeah, sure, whatever. They become friends. Who cares? Nope. <laughs> let's let <laughs> let's get the fuck into this. All right. Scene one. Oh we open up on Ellie's drugstore, and there's a young girl in overalls, just kind of like wandering through the aisles, uh, looking at things, looking at perfumes, and. Lipsticks, and she's looking at the stuff lovingly and like wantingly. Ellie does not run a pharmacy. She runs, I'm pretty sure, just the store that sells everything in town. Like every episode, it sells a new thing. At the front counter, there's like a glass display, and there's like twelve different kinds of camera in there. She sells. (laughs) She sells camera supplies for some reason. She's going to be selling cars by, by, like, the end of the season. Like, come on down to Crazy Ellie's house of discount warped furniture. (laughs) We sell fucking whatever. Apparently, this building is the town's entire economy. It's very weird, because, like, in the next episode, we'll talk about Ben Weaver, who owns Weaver's department store. We don't see Weaver's department store frickin' ever, but Ellie's Pharmacy is definitely the, that takes that role. Anyway, hub of economy. So there's this time uh, Ellie is watching this girl, this lovingly look at the makeup counter, and she offers a little bit of a, um, like a sample. She says, here, try this this nail polish shade or this lipstick shade. You can have a sample. Uh, By the way, 
Eleanor Donahue also plays a makeup and counter attendee and personal shopper in 1990's Pretty Woman. Uh, fun fact. Uh, we we have become somewhat obsessed with Eleanor Donahue. It's like Stockholm Syndrome, except instead of, you know, just sympathizing with all of the kidnappers, just the one that's the prettiest and the best actor. Oh, she's going to leave soon, too. This is her second to last episode, and you'll find out why. Uh, I'm not okay with it. Yeah, so she offers a sample, and the young woman declines. Now, this young woman will say her name. Uh, is Frankie? Uh, Frankie. Her, her name is Frankie Flint. Fran- Francis is her real name. So she says she doesn't think her father would want her to have all this stuff. And I gotta say, look, normally one of the things I praise about this show is the music. The music that is playing in this episode, in this background, is such bullshit. It is so <laughs> weird and obnoxiously sad. It's like... It's like the life, it's the music that plays in a Lifetime movie when your mom finds out she has leukemia. Like, it's disgusting for what is just a girl looking at makeup. It's it's like they created this music by lining up a bunch of cartoon deers and executing them. Like, it is, it is the most sad part of a Disney music music ever. For a, uh, why, for a girl that can't have makeup. Uh, Ellie proceeds to to sample her one of one of the wares, which is called a uh, Midnight Madness. And Andy comes in and he's like watching uh, this happen, and he kind of makes fun of how weird it smells in there. Uh, he calls the perfume said, a gas leak. He's like Ellie, I think you might have a leaking canister in the back. So immediate antagonism from Andy. In kind. Ellie responds by just blasting the shit out of him with his perfume, just ca- just coking, or coating him with it, uh, and he starts to get upset. He's like, oh, Sheriff ain't supposed to smell like an azalea blossom or whatever. There, This is a fight, and they have been on screen together for 30 seconds. Like, it's not, it's supposed to be, like, like playful flirting, but Andy, like, attacks Ellie, and Ellie immediately physically retaliates, and Andy gets legitimately upset at her. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not fun to watch. Relationship. It's also the very beginning of what would be a numerous amount of jokes of, oh my, someone might think I'm a woman. Like, yeah. That's a huge amount of stuff. Eventually, Frankie, like, buys what she came there to buy and she leaves. Uh, and Ellie says, oh, that girl Frankie looks so sad. I'd like to just give her some of this makeup and stuff. I just want, I just want to give it to her as a gift. Which is nice enough. Like, initially, this starts as a nice idea of just, I want to give a, a, a girl who is, who is clearly underprivileged some shit. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Yeah, Ellie's, uh, Ellie's assumption is that she doesn't have the makeup because she can't afford the makeup. Uh, even though she was just told by Frankie that her father just doesn't want her to have it. To which Andy responds, well now, ease back on them horses. Which right. is... Of the animal metaphors so far, the most sensical. Right. Andy's, uh, Andy's perspective, as always, is don't get involved in other people's business, which is a very weird uh, frame of mind for the sheriff of the town to have. But all right. Don't try to enforce any sort of morality or, 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 or basic human rights upon this town. Definitely not our place. Definitely not any sort of authority figure's place. One one thing, so they're they're talking about about Frankie, 
about whether or not she's the property of her dad or if he can make these decisions for her. How old is Frankie supposed to be? Because Frankie is being played by a woman who is definitely in her mid to late 20s. And they are talking about her like she is a 13-year-old child. And I can't tell if the I, actress is supposed to be a child or if it's just sexism. I, I mean, given the way that this concludes, let's assume she's supposed to be at least 18. Fair. Yep. Okay, that makes sense. That is simultaneously better and worse. Because everyone is, like, Ellie is talking about her, like, giving her her her, her makeup. Like she's a child. Andy is talking about her rights as a person like she's a child. Everyone treats her like she is a kid, even when they're advocating for her. So speaking of kids, uh, Opie does get to make his, his like, one and only appearance in this episode. Uh, and he gets to make fun of his dad for smelling pretty. Or he doesn't really make fun of him. He comes at his dad. What are you talking about? Opie comes in, demands money for candy, and immediately call, says that Andy smells like a girl and asks if he's come from the hair salon like Aunt B. I uh, I don't think it's meant with malice, though. I think he's just like, I'm a loud child and I'm observing <laughs> things. It's so hard to tell when Opie is being mean on purpose or when he's just being mean. I took it as like... Like, like, so Opie says, like, you smell like Aunt B smells when she comes out of a, uh, out of a hair salon. You come out of a hair salon, pa? And Andy just goes like, just goes, no, I have not come out of a hair salon, child. And, and Opie just goes like, because you smell pretty, like a lady. And I can't, like, on one hand, uh, I applaud Opie's savagery of just going after his father like that. But he is being a sexist little fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that scene concludes. Then Andy goes to the jailhouse where we get the rare moment where Barney gets to be the one who gives Andy a load of shit. Now Barney has the upper hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's So Andy comes in and, and Marty immediately says like, you smell nice. What happened? And Andy says, oh, Ellie sprayed me with uh, with perfume. And Barney proceeds to say, perfume? What kind? And uh, and Andy says, midnight madness. To which Barney replies, Zazu Zaz. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I guess that's I supposed look- to be a G. Willikers or some kind of shit like that. It's not. <laughs> I looked it up, and it's a Cab Calloway album. That's the only reference to that phrase I can find. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't. I, I, you can't. You can't convince me one way or another that Barney Fife knows who Cab fucking Calloway is. <laughs> that it's a physical impossibility. It's like reversing gravity. Uh, but yeah, this kicks off a prolonged period of. Haha, ha, Andy is like a lady in his smell. Which is, now that we mention it, kind of annoying because we just came off of a prolonged period of doing that from Opie. So now it's just like, we've done it from a child, now see it from a grown man. Yeah, which, like, I mean, you could tell, like, in the, the last couple of episodes, we have remarked at just how brutal Andy can be at just giving, uh, giving Barney shit. Like, he really, like, like, does not let up after Barney has made it very clear that he needs him to let up. 
So it is kind of nice to see Barney, like, have the upper hand for once. Oh, it rules. It absolutely rules watching Barney just, like, tear into Andy as soon as he gets the chance. But um, it has to be under these circumstances, where yeah. it's like, Haha, you smell like a like a lady does, you 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 half man. Like, how dare you have perfume on you? Yeah. Which, also bullshit because every time they go to the fucking barber, these guys are like, "Ooh, I'll have some witch hazel." Let's get on that me. witch hazel up in here. Yeah. yeah, let's make me smell nice. Oh, you smell nice, but in the way a woman does. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, so, ha! It's so horseshit. Ellie comes in, and she's got a big old shoebox full of cosmetics that she is ready to give to Frankie. Uh, problem is, I guess, the Finches live way the hell out in the middle of nowhere. She's A, looking for a ride, or B, some kind of delivery. Uh, and no, she's looking for a delivery. She's, like... She says, like, I want to give this to Frankie. Uh, please say it's okay. And Andy says, I get, I, I think it's a terrible idea, but it's okay. And she's like, all right, so I'm just going to give this to Barney, and he's going to drive it up there immediately. Yeah. Which, it's kind of great how little a- Ellie, like, respects Barney, and then she's like, you'll just have him just do this, right? Because, because he's Barney. Bar- and Barney assumes, like, when they call him over, like, hey, Barney, we need you to take this to the Finch farm right away. Barney, understandably, says, oh, the pharmacist is giving me something to take to this farm immediately. He assumes this must be medicine, right? He assumes it's a very important delivery that he has to make. Again, like, logical assumption on Barney's part. Cannot fault him. And when he finds out that it is makeup... He is, uh, he's angry. Uh, rightfully so. But he's so, angry uh, in such a bullshit direction. I mean, yeah, he, he, he should be angry that they're wasting his time on a makeup delivery. Uh, but instead he's ma- he's angry that it's makeup at all. Uh, which they refer to as female war paint. That's also an Eliza Schlesinger joke. Oh, uh, yeah, it she is. She named her entire special after it. Barney is just mad that like what hap- what if somebody happens or what if something happens and I get hurt and they find me dead by the side of the road with makeup. <laughs> I know. He, his masculinity is so fragile that the second that he suggests he carry makeup, he immediately crafts an elaborate scenario in which the state police find him in a severe car crash where he is injured and dead and he's extremely worried in this in- this horrible scenario that he's created out of thin air. What car crash? That... He's driving the only car. <laughs> and it's been clearly established that cars back then weigh nothing, and a car crash in them is just basically hitting two lunchboxes yeah, together. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, but in his nightmare scenario, in which he is bleeding out on the side of the road, the last thing that his his, his eyes see as the light flickers from them is just a, like a state police officer opening the box, just going like, ha ha, this guy's carrying lady shit. Like, that's his, not like, like any other aspect of this. Uh, it, it's the most fragile masculinity on display. So Ellie figures uh, that this is an opportunity to manipulate Andy. and She basically says, you're right, though, Barney. It's not right for a deputy to waste his time on this. It's perfectly fine for the sheriff to give me a ride up there, though. Uh, and <laughs> so that's what it is. Ellie forces Andy to drive her out to this farm. 
Which is weirdly, like, her leaning over the desk and being like, hey, come do a good deed with me, please, is weirdly the most wholesome thing I've seen these two do so far. Like, her browbeating him into just giving her a ride out to a farm, it's the only time so far that they're not, like, sniping at each other or or teaming up to do something fucked up. They go up to the farm. Uh, and we're out in this place. Again, the advantage of having, like, an actual lot to drive or to film on. So it looks like a, like a farm. There's chick, there's live animals, there's chickens everywhere. Uh, they give her all of the stuff. I will note that, um, they didn't say, they don't just say, hey, we thought you might want to have this stuff. Ellie makes up a bullshit story about, like, Oh, we're trying some new products at the store, and we thought that maybe you could tell us about it uh, as these samples. Because they can't just say, here's some stuff for charity, because it's a matter of pride and principle, I suppose. Uh, This is the South, after all. Yeah, you can't just give someone something. You can't just give them a handout. Um, (laughs) There has to be a reason for it. Sure. Um, And that's an attitude that pervades with this entire generation. But I'm not, I'm not going to get too far into that. Then we get to um, Mr. Flint himself. Uh, Farmer Flint comes out. He's played... Who is fucking terrifying. Yeah, so... He is... Yeah, who's the actor? So he's played by R.G. Armstrong, Robert Golden Armstrong, who had a... Oh my god! Robert Golden Armstrong, who was like, like, an, like an actor studio, New York Broadway kind of guy, had an acclaimed career... Best known on Broadway for being Big Daddy uh, on Cat in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and Robert Gold. Wait, what? What? Sorry, his name is Robert Golden Armstrong. Yes, R. G. Armstrong, that... or as the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki says, Bob to his friends. <laughs> he sat. That's the name of the guy who really killed Hitler. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Robert Golden Armstrong, werewolf hunter. Like, it, oh my god. And he looks like it, too! Yeah, He's this yeah. gigantic, bowling, like, just, just, just tombstone of a motherfucker. As with all of our, like, guest stars, he appears in a lot of westerns, including The Rifleman, Have Gun, Will Travel. Um, also a hell of an actor, right? Just selling the shit out of this role. Uh, where, like, literally all he has to do is be a big, angry wall. Um. Yeah. And- he, he's just supposed to be, like, just... A, a big old shithead and he just he puts so much just pain into all of the lines yeah so he's like very he's almost hurt and angry that uh they would offer this stuff to frankie and he chases him off he's basically like my daughter i get to make these decisions you don't have anything to do with it get out essentially and he like get people to get off my property <laughs> And again, he's he like, dressed it, it, like such a stereotypical farmer. He is wearing overalls, no shirt underneath the overalls, a hat, and a pitchfork. And he basically just goes like, "I want you to get off my property. You get like, it's yeah, yeah, the, yeah." When he says "get off my property," it's a question of is he does he mean the farm or does he mean Frankie? Like, oh, he means the farm, like. But I mean, I, the, there's an implication, my friend. Oh, oh, yeah, I definitely see that. See, I sort of feel weird about it in that, like, he, th- this, this, like, patriarchal figure looks at this box of makeup and says, like, 
she has no use for that. So it's sort of like this weird version of like, like the, this, this like representation of the patriarchy is preventing her from conforming to traditional femininity. Like, it's almost like this weird, like, like fucked up reverse feminism in that, like, like almost like, like this, this, this representation of oppression is just being like, madam, I'll have you know that makeup is a social construct holding women to unfair beauty standards above men. And I will have my daughter develop self-esteem based on her actual character and appearance rather than some manufactured sense of self. Now you get. <laughs> Except that's not at all his reasoning or logic behind it. Uh, and even if it was, he's still, like, preventing his daughter from doing something that she wants because he believes he has oh. some authority over her. Which, again, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I have no idea how old this child is. Well, this early on, he doesn't give any reasons. He's not like, here's why she can't have makeup. She's just like, like he, he just looks at it and he's like, my daughter? She has no need for makeup. And, and it's sort of like the dynamic of, like, He's preventing her from being a woman. Like it, it's it's yeah, yeah. not that he's 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 pegging her into some like preset version of femininity. She he's keeping her out of it. That's the conflict. So they go back to the jail, and Ellie is so mad, like she's furious and just like heaving and huffing and puffing. And they tell Barney what happened, and of course Barney decides, says, "Well, if I was there, here's what I would do." Barney immediately makes it makes it about himself and gets freaky. Barney's one of those dudes you can't watch a horror movie with because he just tells you like what all the characters are doing wrong. <laughs> Barney's definitely the I would have just shot Freddy Krueger with a gun guy. Like <laughs> he he so he starts talking about how he would go up and he would intimidate Flint. And he immediately makes it all about him. Be like, I have some ideas about the way your daughter should be. Uh, and then in his hypothetical yelling at Flint, he's not like, your daughter has rights and is a person with agency. He's like, hey, me, a tough guy, I want your daughter to be hot. And I think she should be hot. And also I'm going to point at my gun as if it's a penis. Like, it's, <laughs> he, he immediately makes it so much about himself. It's so and weird. Like, very casually mentions like also she has rights but more importantly i'm a tough man so andy calls his bluff is like well if you think that's what you would do go for it and then they <laughs> i, 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 I like the note suicide you, mission yeah the note you have here is they send him off for certain failure which is yeah um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> they'll they'll just like be like all right so that got rid of barney for an hour while we figure out what we're actually going to do uh maybe when he's beaten senseless by this giant farmer we ha will have like an arrest warrant barney goes up to the farm and i gotta say like as much as i dislike this episode everything that happens for the next eight minutes or so is great like uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty well done <laughs> barney, barney gets out of the car i made a note here he like steps over a chicken like all these all these birds are all around him, and he's, like, stumbling through them. Uh, and then he calls out uh, Farmer Flint, and they do a, like, upward angle shot, uh, and then an over-the-shoulder shot with uh, Flint, just to show that this man is huge. Like, 
He's already much bigger than than Don Knotts, but they emphasize that so many times. And a couple of times we get a shot. They Lord of the Rings the hell out of this shot composition. Like, it looks like if Barney Fife jumped, he could maybe touch Flint's nipples. Yeah, it's, it's really well done. Barney is obviously intimidated. He sort of stumbles his way through the whole, your daughter has rights. Uh, he yeah. attempts at it, but then... He's... He does this, like, this wimpy, mirrored version of his big, tough guy speech. Uh, well, uh, now, maybe this ain't none of my business, but uh, I-, I thought it'd be nice if-, if that daughter of yours had some of them uh, female decorations. You know, uh, things uh, girls paint themselves with. Now, me, I-, I ain't got much use for them myself, and I guess neither have you. <laughs> but, well, girls like them. And I, I thought maybe you wouldn't mind if she had a few things to pretty herself up with the way girls do. Of course, now, I, like I said, it, it it ain't none of my business. That's right, it ain't. Huh? It ain't none of your business or that drugstore lady's either. Now, I'm telling you just like I told her. My daughter ain't got no use for them things. Now, is that clear? Oh, yes, sir. That That's clear, all right. <laughs> Golly, uh... Uh, and but and then after after the complete failure in which the uh, the farmer just goes like it's none of your business get the fuck off my land begin Barney Fife stealth mission oh this rules so hard <laughs> I love this bit it's like the thing in a video game where like you have to play as a side character and it's a shitty stealth mission. <laughs> Just Barney Five sneaking around a farm like a dog shit solid snake. He crouches behind a cow, like to avoid the farmer, and then he has to like wander his way to the other side of the cow. Uh, my favorite part is when he goes into like the hen house and he closes the door, but something falls and it upsets all the hens. So suddenly he's just like like covered in chickens, like it's Ocarina of Time, and he fucked with one of them, like. Yeah, I can make video game references too, Dan. And the farmer yells from off screen, Quiet, you biddies! Yes! <laughs> it's such a weird term for chickens. <laughs> like, Barney, and just to be clear, it is in no way established what the fuck Barney Fife thinks he's doing. He's like ducking behind chickens and cows at one point, like, he like he steps on a pig. At no point do you have any idea. I don't think Barney Fife has any fucking idea what his goal is. Oh yeah, there are three uh, piglets in this that are adorable. It's definitely helpful. <laughs> Barney Fife steps on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it's like he's trying to be quiet but every farm animal is just determined to just be like here's this dumbass barney fife stealth mission is rapidly becoming a regular like part of the show and it's my favorite part <laughs> oh, it rules <laughs> i love it so much okay so so finally he finds frankie in the barn or something and kidnaps her basically claims that he's he gonna says, take her into custody but he's just like come on come on get out of here he says, I'm a police officer, and I'm taking you into custody, and then he grabs her and takes her away. Which, you know, that's abduction. <laughs> that's a thing that you do to abduct a child. So, fucking great. We, we hit our, like, our requisite felony for the episode. Actually, everything so far has been a felony. Uh, the entire Barney Five stealth mission has been him. That was that was misdemeanor uh, misdemeanor trespassing at best. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. 
Uh, this is definitely a, a, a capital C crime. He grabbed a child under false pretenses, put it, put her into his car and drove the fuck away. So he does that and he goes to the jail where he lies to Andy about the crime that he just committed. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, like, he's like, so you have this young girl. Yes. Does, does she understand why she's here? Yes. Is her father cool with it? Let's say sure. Like, he, he goes like, well, you know, the less he knows, the better, but yes, he is absolutely fine with her being here, and definitely knows that she is in this building right now. Uh, so, yeah, so that's also another, he's, he does a, a crime hat trick. But none of that matters, because let's get to the, the end result, uh, which is that Ellie has taken Frankie away even further across the street. Uh, and done all this makeup and stuff for her, and she comes in, made up, uh, in, like, Eleanor Donahue-style makeup and wearing a dress, and look, forgive us for a second, I know that this isn't the point, but let's just both agree, she was way hotter in the farm girl mode, right? Like, Okay, yes, okay, yes, no, I, I, I have that in my notes, and also in parentheses next to the notes, don't say that, Dan. Uh, so, you know what, we're just gonna gonna Thelma and Louise into this fucking ravine together. She looked great, like, in the, uh, in in the, the, the dirty overalls and with, like, the, the, the slightly must up hair. She looks like every girl that I've barely not worked up to the courage to talk to at a party. And now she just looks like a fucking, like, she looks immediately ten years older. Yeah, it's very weird. She... Kind of takes, almost takes an immediate, like, like housewife role. It's yeah. super weird. Like, they're trying to do, like, a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing, but like, you're very, very, like, disappointed in the transition. You know? I... Yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's, it, 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 it's not the point, and it's a little dickish for us to say, but they did a bad job on the makeover. They, they reverse, they, they reverse pretty, not pretty woman. Princess um, Diaries. They were. Man, Princess Diary is really on your head right now. They re- they that... reverse Princess Diary her. By the way, Eleanor Donahue also in Princess Diaries too does not have a speaking role. Absolute horseshit. We do currently have a sponsorship deal with Princess Diaries. <laughs> Hashtag Princess Diaries three make it happen. Also, Princess Diaries is a pretty good movie. Princess Diaries is a good movie. Princess Diaries two needs a little work, uh, and I blame most of it on Raven Simone. So, yeah, they do a pretty bad makeover and essentially make her look like a mom, uh, and then return to the farm, uh, where they, uh, they, they sort of, like, awkwardly, like, march her up to Flint to be like, hello, Flint, what do you think of this lady? And, and Flint's just like, alright, now you're bringing strange women onto my property? What the fuck is your problem? And, and then they go like, this... This is your daughter, man. And he just goes like, oh, what? Who? Oh my god, Frankie? And they go, her name is Francis now. So they renamed her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this whole scene is fu- is already fucking weird. He doesn't recognize his daughter when she doesn't have a small amount of dirt on his face. Does he have face blindness? Strap in, folks, because it gets weirder from here. So. Christ, fuck. Uh, take another drink. Up until this point, it's been relatively tame. Here, welcome to the nightmare. So it starts off by Farmer Flint saying that she looks very nice. She looks beautiful. 
but farm girls ain't got time for this. He is acting his brains out. As he's saying this, the actor is expressing that Flint is clearly in pain and these people are torturing him. Because what he says is like, I wish I could say thank you for making my daughter look nice, but I just gotta say, Frankie, go wash that off. And he's like, what? Like, why do you people keep making me, uh, like, do this to my daughter? Uh, like, and, and he's, he comes really close to a good argument for why he doesn't want her to have these things. And it's essentially like, hey, we're poor as shit. We can't afford makeup. I, we, we're barely surviving. There's only the two of us running a farm. But he, he doesn't, he doesn't refer to it in cash, though. He refers to it in terms of time. He says, farm girls ain't got time. It's just me and her on the farm. And I need her for all that. Basically, he just says, you can't be happy. I need you for slave labor. That's, yes. That's what it is. And so I'm just going to put the fucking clip of what Andy says in here because it's just the it, weirdest, it, most it, heinous shit. It needs to be shit. preserved for he, posterity. He, Frankie's a pretty good hand to work, is Flint? For a girl, yeah. For a female, but, but not as good as male, huh? Well, of course not. So then, on the on the debit side, Frankie is just a fair farmhand, but it appears on the credit side that Francis is quite a girl. Now, now you you take a fine, strong buck meeting up with uh, quite a girl. Why, that's just a hop, skip, and a jump from a fine young son-in-law. Now, a fine young son-in-law, that's just another way of saying a fine, strong farmhand. Now, Flint, as a businessman, I, I, I want to ask you, what do you think is the most efficient way of using your daughter? As Frankie, the fair farmhand, or as Francis, the quiet girl? Not this using is your not assets. the most efficient way to use your daughter. Yeah, uh, literally use yeah. your daughter. Ellie argues that all the other farmers' daughters wear makeup, and they're fine. And Flint responds, that's because all the other farmers do- farmers have sons. The sons can work the field. I've only got this one half-ass useless daughter, basically. Uh, he's, like, mad that he doesn't have a son to do stuff. And Andy appeals to this by saying, so, is Frankie good at this? And uh, Flint's kind of like, yeah, she's she's okay. But a man would be better, right? Literally no, no, any no, man. No, 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 He doesn't say that voluntarily. Andy says... Is she as good as a son? To which he goes, well, of course not. Right, Of course she's not as good as a man. Which Literally any man, and quite frankly, from what I've seen around Mayberry, that's not fucking true. I'm pretty sure that Frankie could beat a majority of the male population in Mayberry in arm wrestling. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It's like, like Floyd Barney... Uh, Jason, whatever the fuck the funeral director's name is, Orville. Uh, none of them are like like pinnacles of 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 of, of raw like physical power, but there's still that stupid fucking assumption. Even on the even on the weird like rare moment that we see a, a young man, which by the way, even notice we don't ever see any young men in Mayberry. But even on they're the, always in the background. Even on the rare occasion we do see a young man, they're not like like peak physicality. Anyway, uh, Flint's assumption is that, like, literally any son would be better than this daughter, but a daughter's all I got. And so, Andy reckons that he's not using his assets efficiently. 
And he points out that, hey, if you had your one okay helper daughter, looks like she would attract a man, and a son-in-law is as good as a son. Right? Right? Eh? Eh? Pimp out your daughter for labor. Pimp out your daughter for labor. Come on, man. The Andy Griffith Guide to Objectifying Your Child. Like, he's he's like, oh, you're you're treating your daughter as the wrong kind of non-person. Uh, non You've been treating her as a slave when you should have been treating her as a sex object. Like, Oh, my God. It's, it's so fucked. Oh, and he, the way he, he demonstrates this, the way he demonstrates this is he takes Frankie by the hand, Walks her over to the fence where there's three like field hands working out in the in the field. I guess it's the neighbor's in the farm? neighboring farm. Yeah, so she, yeah. He, he like picks her up, props her on a fence, and those three men just immediately drop what they're doing and come over and talk to her. Just which actually, sweet. now that I think about it, completely fucking defeats the purpose of his argument because those three men stopped working the instant she showed up. <laughs> All that just all that all that she does as like a beautiful woman, quote unquote, is stop people from working. She she, she fucking like like he puts her on a fence and then sweet pastoral violin music, the shit you would hear as like uh, like like as a cartoon character frolics, frolics in a field plays in the background as she is swarmed by horny farmhands, just like. Just, just and, and, like she's beat, like they, they, they charge at her, and it's like, oh, look at this sweet, nice moment as these guys get super horny at your daughter, Flint. <laughs> Barney just like Andy just kind of goes, look, see, see how bad they want to fuck your daughter, huh? Yeah, uh, you can like, get any one of those boys to jump over the fence and hoe this whole <laughs> field on the chance that they might fuck your daughter. Like, and here's the thing, just, Ellie goes along with this. Ellie has nothing to say. Ellie thinks this is great, which is a complete fucking reversal from every, like, proto-feminist ideal that Ellie has represented so far. Ellie's just like, well, whatever, I guess she gets to wear makeup and now get married. Okay, and remember, the title of this episode is Ellie Saves a Female. Yeah. Ellie hasn't done shit. No, Ellie just kind of insists on giving her makeup. Ellie's entire agenda so far has not been pro-women. It has been pro-makeup. She's never been like... You know like why? Never... You know why? Because who sells what? the makeup, Dan? Who <sighs> sells the makeup? She's she's never been like... like She's fumed several times about how unfair this situation is. But she's never been like, how does this woman not have any rights? She's always been like, how can this woman not be allowed to have things? Like, everyone likes makeup. Who, who doesn't like to see their daughters have makeup? How can makeup be treated this way? I mean women! <laughs> like, Ellie is just hardcore pro-makeup. She doesn't give a fuck about this girl she's just trying to like not even lock down another customer she just wants another devotee to make up but ellie would be an amazing avon spokesperson oh my god ellie manipulated local government to, to, <laughs> to, sell, to, to, to sell lipstick yeah but I mean, no and oh, we're losing our and, mind we're, we're losing the point on this the point is what the fuck what the Christ? Liter Andy literally says, "Like, hey, you've been thinking about about your daughter as a as a, as a feasible worker so much that you've forgotten that she's also capable of attracting men. Like, just 
fucking like he 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 basically chains her up in front of the farm and be like, "Come and get it, men eligible bachelors." Like, oh my he, god, the whole oh thing is so weirdly anti-feminism, but it's almost like it's anti-feminism imperfect like synchronization with feminism like it's not just like 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 the patriarchy it's i mean like it's literally the, the patriarchy he is literally the patriarch no like. it's like the reverse flash of feminism like it's just feminism in a reverse <laughs> color scheme doing evil shit like how dare you think of women as a feasible workforce don't you remember that they're a sex object we're eliminate we're we're liberating them through giving them makeup ha ha like oh it's God. Fucking Christ! I, I'm out, guys. I'm burnt. Jesus Christ! That's that's it. Uh, what is the stinger for this? Let, let's just go ahead and say uh, that's this... that's where they end things. They end things on uh, Farmer Flint choosing to treat his daughter as a piece of property for a different reason. Also, let's go ahead and just—I like the assumption that the son-in-law is going to come over and work on this farm. Maybe the son-in-law has his own farm. Like you're all fucking farmers. All, you just said that all the other farmers have sons, too. What if she marries a different fucking farmer's son? What's the division of labor there? You did not think this plan through at all. What if she marries a guy who's just like a taxidermist? What if, like, she has some degree of agency, right? She doesn't have to marry a manual labor motherfucker. Like, she can marry anyone. And I hope she does, because Fuck you for agreeing with Andy on this. <laughs> this it's just I, it's not a look, it's not a great plan to begin with because it's heinous and disgusting, but it's also not a great plan to like invest your entire livelihood in, I got to say. Honestly, if you require unpaid labor to keep your farm going and and you require to like work your daughter to the bone, you have a shitty fucking farm and you're bad at this and you probably shouldn't have a farm. You should be doing a different thing. Go work on someone else's farm. Open up a still. You require a slave to keep your farm open. Oh yeah, no. All the fucking, like, all the moonshiners manage to do this without any sexism. Maybe become one of those. Alright. Like, I'm... I say we skip the stinger because I don't actually remember it and I'm just... The stinger is just, uh... Frankie buys some beauty supplies, and then Andy sprays Don Knotts with a lot of Midnight Madness, and then Don Knotts goes, why are you like this? Why can't you just stop doing this to me? Barney is going to shoot Andy at some point, right? Like, he's just taking this little mentally unstable motherfucker and just tormenting him unyieldingly. Let's just move on to the ratings. We'll save Andy forecloses for next time. This is already running long, and I want to... Get this thing rated and, ah, God, just be done. All right, so, this is going to be a fun one. Ratings for Ellie Saves a Female, Andy Meter, how good is this episode? And I have to, like, begrudgingly give this, like, like a six at least, maybe six and a half. Arms Golden Arms, wait, no, what's his name? R.G. Arms Golden, what's what's the R stand for? Uh, Robert Golden. Robert, I, I thought his name for a second was Arms Golden Armstrong, like which it. I'm mad that it's not. Robert Golden Armstrong does such a good job that it, it gets some points. Yeah, I mean, be- between his performance and the real funny Barney stealth mission, 
I, I, I can't give it less than a five. I'm gonna make it like a six point five. I actually like I enjoy this this. It's well written. Uh, it's well filmed. Uh, so, in, in terms of pure quality, I gotta give it like a six point five. Yeah, I, I'm gonna say an even an even five in terms of how good it is. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. So. Fifometer, how disgusting and reprehensible is this? I I can't even give it a fife. This is gross. It's, I I it's, it's a ten. So gross, and right. it's kind of incredible because the all ten of the points happen within a single like three minute speech. Yeah, it, yeah. he gives one speech that is so fucking disgusting that it like breaks the meter. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a 10 for me as well. Like, holy shit. Ugh. Holy fuck. Just... See, it's one of those things where I feel a little bit of guilt because I feel like we did not adequately capture the fucking horror of Andy talking a former into pimping out his daughter. I, I feel like we did. I feel like we did, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, Alright. We haven't invented the words yet. That about wraps it up for us. Thanks for hanging out with us here on this episode of Breaking Mayberry. Uh, as always, I am Marty Schneider, and my co-host here is Dan Ludwig. Uh, please remember, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. Uh, if you like what we're doing, please go ahead and hit and subscribe, and uh, leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or the podcast catcher of your choice. That really does help promote the show. If you want to get at us, you can email us at breakingmayberry at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at BreakMayberry, Facebook.com slash BreakingMayberry. You want to talk to me, uh, I am on Twitter at SchneidRemarks, that's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. I'm at the Luds with two Ds. Uh, and you can always get to Ron Howard, uh, ask Ron Howard, at Real Ron Howard. Hit on Ron Howard! <laughs> uh, just... <laughs> Come at Ron Howard sexually, uh, make advances at whatever degree of explicitness you're comfortable with. Maybe it can just be like a, hey, how's it going? Maybe you can describe stuff that you actually explicitly want to do with Ron Howard. Wait but, wait know. until it's one in the morning and then send Ron Howard a you up message. <laughs> yeah. I You up, hashtag a- tweet at Ron Howard. It, do it do the winky emoticon but uh that weird um, that weird emoji where it's kind of creepy and the, the the eye is slightly too open just you know come at ron howard sexually with a terrifying ferocity um eggplant I'm emoji sure hashtag tweet at ron howard. Uh. <laughs> actually maybe leave the emote leave, maybe leave the hashtag off this one i don't want a paper trail oh i want it uh <laughs> All right, so as always, uh, our opening music is done by Mr. Max Ludwig, who you can follow online at Sleep Talkie. Our logo was designed by Emily Christina, who is on Instagram at ScribbleEmily. Our closing music, which you're about to hear, is Appalachian Mine uh, by the band Ask Anything. They are fans. Uh, say, uh, do, do Appalachian Mine again. Yeah, hang on a second. I actually got the band name wrong, too. Give me one sec. Uh... Our closing music, which you'll hear in a second, is Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Mid-Air Machine. It rules. You should listen to it. Uh, Until next time, Dan and I will see y'all down at the fishing hole.
watched this with my family. I was like, hey, guys, I got to do uh, I got to do a watch of Andy Griffith to take down show notes. Do you want to watch with me? And they're like, yeah, sure. And then they were just sitting in puzzlement. They were like, how is this a thing you do? Like, it's just it's just normal. Like, it's just there's Don Knotts being wacky. Then, like, the second uh, Andy started doing his big speech, the room went dead silent. And my little brother just went like, is he? is he arguing what I think he's arguing? And I was like, yep, yep, this is normal. This is when it happens. <laughs> and they just, like, like stunned silence for my entire family for the remainder. Like, they didn't even say anything about it. They were just like, okay, um, so who's this character that's coming in? Oh, that's old Ben. <laughs> like, just, like, didn't even acknowledge the shit that had just happened to us.